0: Hello, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 324 of Sustainable Minimalists. On today's show, we are discussing resilience, what it is, where on earth we can find it, and how we can tap into it during times of stress. All of us face significant challenges every single day. There are career challenges, health issues, The enormity of child-rearing, the enormity of caring for aging parents, the mundane household tasks that just seem to compound, there's burnout, I could go on and on. But there is good news. And the good news is that we all have wells of resilience inside ourselves. Perhaps we don't even know that these wells exist inside of us, but they do indeed exist. Today, I'm speaking with Jen Pistikas. Jen is a career and leadership coach for women. She is also the author of the new book, Brave Women at Work, Stories of Resilience. Jen believes that when we stop playing small and when we embrace our full and beautiful selves, we will experience more joy as we step into the space we rightfully deserve to expand into. Big things we're discussing today, Jen. I am so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you?
1: I'm great, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Stephanie,
0: for having me on your show. Well, thank you for coming on. Your new work, Brave Women at Work, Stories of Resilience, is a compilation of stories from fellow women. My first question for you is the why. Why was it important for you to get this book out into the world?
1: Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for that question. So, I went through burnout in 2019 and it was pretty significant. It was just, Stephanie, it was undeniable. Like, I started having health issues and, you know, emotional stuff and, and just overall well being stuff. And then I started a podcast called Brave Woman at Work. And then I started thinking about, well, not everyone, I love podcasting, I love listening to podcasts, but not all women do. So I decided in 2021 to recruit a group of other female authors that wanted to share their story to build the Brave Women at Work uh, Stories of Resilience brand and book. So that's how it came into the world.
0: Hmm. What I hear you saying there is that if it wasn't for your bout of burnout, perhaps this podcast, perhaps this book would never have come into fruition. So again, like taking something good and putting it out into the world after something that I'm sure was quite difficult to go through.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right that, you know, you can make a choice and we're going to talk about pivoting and other things, but you can make a choice out of something that wasn't so good in your life, aka being maybe bad if you label it that way and and make something good from it.
0: Hmm. Well, isn't that resiliency right there?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that that was going to be the title, but Stephanie, there there you go, more fate for you.
0: As I was reading your book and the women's stories within it, I was struck with how much we women have on our plate. I mean, there is so much on our shoulders. I'm speaking to <laughs> everybody who already knows it to be true. But one of the most positive takeaways I received from the book was that we all have a toolbox, a toolkit, if you will. And if we can flex the muscle of opening our toolbox or our toolkit and using the strategies inside during challenging times, that's the starting point for resiliency. What should be in our respective toolboxes? What should we be leaning on during times of stress to help us?
1: Yeah, so this is something I've learned the hard way, obviously. But I think the first thing, and these are in no particular order, this is just kind of how I was thinking about it. But I think the foundation for me is our ability to believe in ourselves, which can be really difficult as women and, and men alike. But, you know, focusing on the female population, we often have a tendency to be really difficult on ourselves. So the ability to learn how to believe in yourself, that you have a contribution, that you can do it is foundational for any woman's toolbox. The other, uh, if you are standing by your convictions and your values. So I can't tell you how many times that I would morph myself into what my boss wanted or even what my husband wanted or my friends wanted, or you know my family wanted because I thought that I needed to kind of be a chameleon rather than standing by my own values. Understanding our values is really important. Then our ability to pivot when things aren't great. Like I had just mentioned about burnout, you can stay in that burnout place or you can decide to rise. And then the last few that I thought of are, you know, I always thought that you had to go it alone. Um, I was like, oh, I can do it by myself. And that is such a mistake. So having your female tribe around you, having your family and friends, if they're full supporters or any supporters that could be around you when things get really difficult is, is very important. And then in the book, we listed just a few others that Maybe this serves you and maybe it doesn't. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, meditation is very healthy and very good for you. Prayer, affirmations, mantras. And then the biggest one that I took away from the book as it was coming together is just grit. It's just making a decision that even when things are difficult, you're like, OK, OK, buckle up. I'm going to I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get to the other side.
0: Yes, I love All of that. And I want to say, too, that as I was thinking about, you know, my personal answer, well, what's in my toolbox, I came to the realization that what's in my toolbox may likely not be exactly what's in yours, especially when it comes to those wellness practices. It's a hectic week for me. It's likely one for you, too. And so going back to, you know, the core values are in there. The social network, the support network is in there, but also the wellness practices During times of high stress, during times of burnout, during times of normal amounts of stress, going back to those wellness practices that they're not a cure-all, but they certainly don't hurt. This is a week for me where I have very little time, but I'm still going to carve out the time for my wellness, the big one being running even though it's a stressful time and even though I probably don't have an hour a day, (laughs) but I'm gonna find the time because I'm opening up my toolbox as a means of leaning on. I'm leaning on that strategy during this challenging time. So I just wanna make that point for anybody who's listening. If it's a challenging time, open up your toolbox and take out what has historically worked for you and prioritize it, make time for it. Jennifer, I wanna talk about a huge takeaway I had from your book, which was that being the first woman, the only woman, or different in some sort of way can add unintended stress and pressure in the workplace and everywhere, right? I have a lot of personal stories on this and I'll save them. Maybe I'll add them, maybe I won't. But what advice do you have for the women who are listening who do feel as though? They are either the first or the only or the different one in life. Yeah.
1: So this is really challenging to say the least. And there is a chapter in the book called first, only and different. I thought about, well, where have I been first, only and different? And Where I was first only indifferent is I was the first female in my senior management team, in my executive team at my corporate job. And when I walked in, believe me, everyone was kind of whispering and kind of been like, who is this person coming from the outside? So I would say this, of course, do your best. And that sounds like maybe trivial, but that's all you can do being first only and different is that because there is no other playbook, there's no other map, like you have to do your best. And like I tell my two daughters, I have a a 10 year old and a four year old is like, do your best and leave the rest on the field, right? That's all you can do. And I know that you may know this, but here it bears repeating is that you're going to be a questioned as a first only and different person. So people are going to gossip, people are going to question you, people are going to wonder why you deserve to be where you are. And that's completely okay. That's their humanity showing, that's their vulnerability showing. And again, that's okay. And then you're going to question yourself. And so anytime I've been first only indifferent, um, I've had this like (laughs) the hydra of like imposter syndrome, like rears its head. And imposter syndrome is just simply that nasty voice inside of you that says, oh, you're a fraud. You're not enough. You can't do it. Who do you think you are? And it's going to raise its voice pretty loudly when you're in that new level, new devil area. And it only is there because you're entering a new level and what you're going to need is going back to that toolbox to manage it and then any other fears as that you're as you're walking into that new territory of being first only and different and then as you go along i would say baby steps right you're going to take those baby steps even though you're afraid you're going to walk through the fire even though you're afraid but then celebrate, I forget, and I just put a post out in social media on this is that I forget to celebrate sometimes when I'm in this scenario. And then I just keep my head down as many women do and we just keep plowing through is to celebrate yourself and just to realize how amazing that you are for being the first only and different. because it's always easier to do the tried and true path. I mean, I've been there where I've taken like the lower path, the more fearful path, I can't do this path. But then when I, do the t- the, when I do choose a higher like, level and I'm like, I am going to be the first, only indifferent, I'm like, wow, I'm amazing because I was brave enough to go it alone. So hopefully that answers your question, Stephanie.
0: It definitely does. And I thank you for speaking to the women listening who are in the workforce. Uh, I can imagine that each and every one has likely blazed some trails in their own career path. I'm thinking about my own life. I'm not in the workforce, the traditional workforce, I would say. So I don't necessarily know if I've been first or only, but I do always definitely feel different. I have a personality that, how should I put this? I have a personality that if I was a man, I, my certain traits would be celebrated. But in a women, in a woman, they're often... Um questions looked down upon. I'm talking about my decisiveness, my um high self esteem, my ability to be blunt and sometimes abrupt to make quick decisions. These are all things that you know women have been told implicitly, maybe sometimes explicitly not to be. and so I run up with a lot of interpersonal issues in my own life because of who I am. I've tried making myself smaller. I've tried changing my personality. I've tried isolating myself. And then none of that ever works, right? Does any of that ever work for anybody ever? No. And so I'm at a point now where I'm just growing into the person that I was born to be. Do you have any words for people like me who just feel as though, they're different, they, get, they catch a lot of slack for being different, what should we do?
1: Well, I would say going with yourself and your personality is always gonna be stronger because if you try to contort yourself into the vision of someone else, well, first of all, you're gonna be miserable because you're not being true to yourself and it's gonna come out, it's gonna come out in health issues, it's gonna come out in depression, it's gonna come out in anxiety, I believe, you know, whether it's God or a higher power, you're like you were born the way you were born and you have gifts that you have to share with the world. And if that means that you're a decisive woman, then so be it, because you have to share that with other women and show the way for other women that may not have that. And so that may be through this podcast that might be through some of the other work that you do in the world. And so I would say being true to yourself is absolutely critical and then the other thing that comes to mind as a resource and I don't I don't want to take us too down a rabbit hole but you sound like an Enneagram 8 so an Enneagram is a personality typing system and the 8 is the executive and it has all of the characteristics and it has amazing strengths So if you're a person that struggles with like how you were made, right? And like your personality, especially as a woman going into places and spaces where you're like, wow, like I rub people the wrong way. I do think doing some like personality typing, such as the Enneagram, the Big Five, um, Gallup Strengths Finder, just to kind of figure out like what are my strengths and how can I use them in the world would be really critical.
0: I am an Enneagram 8 and that's thank you for mentioning that resource. But I would also just say for me too, like my quote unquote weaknesses. So what other people don't like about me are also my greatest strengths. And so I would say that to anybody listening, like are the things about you that others don't like, like, are they truly weaknesses or are you just perhaps triggering them somehow by being different? So oftentimes, it sounds cliche, but it's true, weaknesses are often strengths. I want to talk to you, Jennifer, about the fact that women in the workplace and in life, really, definitely in life, but tend to feel the urge to diminish their contributions, diminish their successes. What can you and I and everybody listening do the next time, we feel the need to again make ourselves smaller diminish our successes what should we do
1: yeah i've done this so many times um i was raised as a kid and and no, nothing against my parents or my mom especially but it was always like don't get too big for your britches and i have to tell you i wonder do we raise our boys like that like do we tell our boys to not get too big for their britches or not raise their hand in class or not answer and so we do this, we do this as women. And so I think the first piece is just being aware that you're doing it, and then giving yourself all of the grace and compassion that you can muster. Um, I'm working with a client right now that is so smart, and got so much experience. But every time I talk to her about her, her just wins, she just can't see it. And she just is constantly trying to make herself smaller. And so a couple of the things that are helping her is to take a beat. So take a breath before you answer. Let's say you're in a high stakes meeting or you're on like a podcast or you're just having a tough uh, conversation with a family member during the holiday. It can be anything. It's just to take a moment because you don't owe anyone an immediate answer. So take a breath. And then some things you may want to think about it. And it goes back to your toolbox. So this has got to be authentic to you. But stuff that works for me is repeating to myself, not out loud, right? But repeating myself, you know, I'm enough. I am enough. I belong here and I have a voice. And so if that doesn't work for you, think about what would work for you in your toolbox. So before you diminish yourself, you're like, oh, I can go to that tool. I can take a moment. I can say a mantra. I can say an affirmation. I can talk to a friend before a big conversation just to remind myself that I belong here. And then I say, and Stephanie, I know, and I'm so I'm so happy for you that like you can share your opinion, even though it's not popular. You can be decisive. You know, I've not always been like that, so I think it's then taking the action of sharing your opinion, sharing your thought, even if it's not going to be popular. Because at the end of the day, what is the worst thing that could happen? And most of the time, it's just in our heads that that's the worst thing that can happen. And then if we see that other women are being impacted. Have their back, have their back in a meeting, have their back in a conversation. However, you can have their back, you know, have another woman's back because often women don't do that for one another. And that's part of what my podcast and the work I do is, is for is just so women can help rise up other women.
0: Hmm. I'm going to ask you exactly about that, Jen, after our quick ad break, we're going to take a break. But when we get back, I'm going to ask you, why is it that women don't tend to help other women rise? That's going to be the question after a quick word from this week's sponsor. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. So next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coastofmaine.com. And we are back. Today, I'm speaking with Jen Pastikas. She is a career and leadership coach for women. She is also the author of the new book, Brave Women at Work, Stories of Resilience. Jen, before the break, we had a moment where you said, you know, if in a meeting, back another woman up. I'm curious, why does you think that even needs to be said? Why do women tend to not? back other women up and help them rise and help them take up the space that they so deserve? Why?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you just a really quick anecdote-like story here is that I was getting a promotion. This was many years ago, big promotion, huge break in my career. And there was a woman on my team that called me an opportunist. <laughs> that said, I mean, just things like that. And it made me feel so small. And it made me feel like almost that I didn't deserve my promotion. So I've seen every side of it. I've seen women help one another. I've seen women not help one another. But to answer your question more specifically, I believe that women can you know, if you are encountering a strong woman and and Stephanie, I'll I'll ask you the question back because you're a strong woman, because you have strong opinions, because you're willing to share them, you can make decisions. There are so many women that aren't at that level of awareness or strength or resilience at this point. And man, I, I think you and I would agree that we all want to get them there, but then they feel like it almost like, like reveals their underbelly of their lack of confidence, that their lack of courage, that their lack of resilience. And it's interesting that women, you know, we have a tendency to community, but then like we abandon one another. And so I think it's because strong women may expose work that they have to do inside themselves, and also their fear. So Let's go back to the example of the woman backing the other woman in the meeting. She may not have the confidence to do that at just the foundational level. She may be afraid, well, if I back her, how is this going to impact me in my career? Are they going to see me as too bossy or too pushy? Because let's say that the overall like orchestration of corporate, I'm just going to say it, I think that it's still very broken, And I think there's things that we're working on, you know, and women are rising and coming forward. And it's so encouraging to me, but at the foundation, I think there are still some huge cracks in that foundation. For those reasons, I think women are more reticent to kind of hold back when we really need to be moving forward and helping rise up, rise up all women together.
0: Yes. Yes, I'll just say that you know I alluded to having lots of interpersonal conflict in my life earlier in the conversation, and I will say that on the cognitive level, I am I hear what you're saying. I totally agree. Like if I push somebody's buttons in my head, I know it's because I'm uh, bringing up, I'm digging up some sort of insecurity in the other person. However, emotionally. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like the problem's me. And so just for anybody listening who that very specific example resonates with, that's my struggle, right? Like cognitively, I know one thing to be true, but emotionally it often feels like, oh, well, if five people have a problem with me, <laughs> the problem's likely me. So I would love to transition this, this conversation, Jen, and I want to talk about reinvention. There is a place that the book discusses quite eloquently, and it's the intersection of defeat and reinvention. So I'm curious in your capacity as a leadership and career coach, what advice would you give to listeners who perhaps are at that intersection of defeat and reinvention and are feeling some sort of reluctancy? to boldly reinvent themselves, they have a push and a pull, they want to stay small. What would you say to them?
1: Yeah. So I would say you're at a critical point, first off. And I think recognizing where you are is critical because often we can stay stuck and not know it. And we can stay stuck for days, months, years. People can stay kind of stuck in patterns. And so if you can recognize where you are, that's the first piece And then the next piece is giving yourself a specific time frame, because when we're often in these kind of key critical moments, it's really rough there. And so giving yourself like an allotted time to feel your feelings, to grieve or whatever is needed. Maybe you've had a loss of a loved one. Maybe you've had a devastating divorce. Maybe you've lost a child, whatever it is, whatever the loss is, maybe you've lost a job that you thought you were going to be at for a long time and you were part of a layoff, whatever it is. It's often like that jarring moment where we really need to feel those feelings and grieve if that resonates with you. But I think in my opinion, I think all people need to give themselves a moment. But then the next piece is the critical piece is that often people will just decide to stay there. It's the decision to pivot that's the most important. So going back to my example of burnout, I could have stayed exactly where I was. I could have stayed. You know what? I'm just going to be in this lower place and I'm not going to make anything of this. But I decided to pivot with it even though it was so freaking hard. It was so hard to pivot. And then when you go from there, you should map out, well what do I want life to look like from here? And it doesn't need to be like a business plan. It can just be you know, like a vision board. It can be like words on paper. It could be whatever you want. You could journal, you could talk to a friend, but just start like dreaming and like saying, okay, well, what is the new pivoted me look like, feel like, what's my experience in the world going to be like, whether it's personal, professional or whatever. And then gather your resources slowly because everyone has more resources than they think. Look at your circle, look at your career circle, look at your personal circle you know, do you have any resources that you're not tapping into to make that pivot? And then after that, take baby steps. And when I say baby steps, I mean it like because you're still hurting, you're still like reeling from whatever happened in that pivot moment. So taking those small steps of action are going to be critical. And there's going to be steps where it's like one step forward, two steps back. That's kind of part of the process. And then taking those steps and just repeating and repeating and repeating that process. And if you're reluctant, so let's say that there's someone out there that's just reluctant, is I would listen to this a couple of times and just realize like where you're at in that process because you might have to go back to start. I'm not saying it's a linear path and you're gonna be like just buzzing right through. You might have to go through this cycle a couple of times just to get to those baby steps of action. But I just want you to know you can do it, a lot of us before you have done it, and so can you.
0: What I hear you saying is that the choice to reinvent is indeed a choice. Like it's an, it's an action. It doesn't just passively happen to you. You have to make that choice, that decision yourself. And everybody goes through periods of defeat. That's what makes life interesting, right? There's no growth without defeat, I would argue. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with it. I know it's not fun, but I agree with it. <laughs> Yeah. So it's under, it's understanding that we all feel defeated multiple times throughout our lives and understanding that without defeat, without reinvention, there would be no growth. And it's about making the choice to reinvent instead of staying in that place of being sad about the defeat, which again is inevitable. Defeat is inevitable. Jennifer, tell us about your new book, about your podcast. Tell us about all the things.
1: Yep. Brave Woman at Work Stories of Resilience is out there. You can get it via ebook. You can get it in hardcover, wherever books are sold. We're also, as a spoiler alert, going to be coming out with a new book, a new Brave Woman at Work book next year around September of 2023 on confidence. And we have an amazing new author set. We're very excited to get started. And then Brave Woman at Work, the podcast, um, really excited. And Stephanie, I'm sure you can <laughs> relate with us. We just celebrated 100 episodes, so really excited about that. And it can be found wherever uh, you listen to your podcast.
0: Well, I will link to the book and the podcast in this week's show notes. And Jen, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You've made me get a little more personal than I would have perhaps normally done. So thank you so much for this really insightful conversation. Thank you. Listeners, that's a wrap. Everything you need is in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 324. We have a quick eco tip today and it comes from Kara. Kara suggests we all check out the Good On You app. It's an app that helps you determine how truly ethical or unethical different brands actually are. So that's the Good On You app. I've linked to it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kara, for that resource. Listeners, if you have been listening for a while and you really like this show, perhaps you even love it, Now is the time to leave it a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is your little reminder. Thank you so much for supporting the show in that way. All I want for Christmas is your podcast reviews. (laughs) I will see you on Thursday. Reach out if you need me. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine